Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message that Tom Job gave on Sunday morning, April 17th, 2022, Easter Sunday, from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24. Like, how do I know that Jesus is really risen from the dead? Because I want to believe it, not because it makes me happy, but because I really believe it actually happened. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, um, to tell you the honest truth, Christmas kind of made me happier than Easter did because like Christmas, you just wake up and there's just piles of like awesome stuff. And some of it, you were able to put your order in to the man in the red suit, you know, but Easter, you have to wake up and go outside and like hunt for stuff. And I mean, when I was a kid, it was like hard boiled eggs. It was like, how many hard boiled eggs could you get? And I remember one Easter, it was about like probably about, I don't know, two, in the afternoon and I just decided I'm just going to try to eat one of these and it was just like they have no salt it was so disgusting I mean I, I thought who does this to kids I mean it's just like horrible and then Christmas you didn't have to go to church Easter you had to go to church and my dad always felt emboldened to make us boys like he would put like brill cream in our hair and like comb our hair you know hair was super flat and then one back and you looked like you know Bobby Deere and I felt like such a dork I feel like I look like Bobby Deere and like not the cool one but the other one and my mom used to so we I have like four brothers and two sisters and my mom would make matching madras um, sports coats for us like madras is kind of a plaid thing and we looked like the Osmonds and then my then we, my dad decided there would be an awesome idea with seven kids to buy he bought a Ford Galaxy and it has like a bucket seat in the front and a bucket seat in the back and um, the way you get a nine member family in a car like that is three in the front and six in the back and so I sat in row 2B like my rear actually didn't touch, touch upholstery till I was about 11 and then we would go to church and like when I was in like third grade and just kind of getting a hang on reading and you know we'd read sing out of the hymn and I would do great like that first line and then the second line where did everybody go? I didn't know it was like lasagna you know like you're going here and here and here like that went, where did everybody go this is crazy it took me like three years to do that and then and then when we got home my dad's Easter tradition was to get his V8 movie camera and take a movie like a home movie of us getting out of the car like all you know like he would be out but it would be like the, all the eight of us you know and then when we watched the home movies we would count one two everybody getting out and I just realized my family was officially a circus clown act you know that that's what we were but when you think about Easter when I thought about Easter as a kid and compared to Christmas there was so so much sugar and so much chocolate involved you know in Easter and by 4 15 we were all agitated and jittery and I remember one time when I was trying to uh, quit smoking and I thought why does this feel like Easter so much you know but <laughs> But when I was a kid, um, so when I was a kid, like from the time as really far back as I could remember, there were two things I was searching for in my life. I was searching for happiness. I didn't know anybody that was really happy, like that really had like seemed like they had found the secret of joy. The only two people that I really looked up to that seemed like they were people that had discovered joy. One of them was Red Skelton and he was a comedian on TV and it turned out that wasn't really true. And the other one was a woman named Ethel Waters and Ethel Waters, well, I didn't know this at the time, but she was the first African-American woman to win a Tony Award for, a, for her performance on Broadway, but she had had a horrible childhood and she had found Jesus. 
Angeles, in Los Angeles, and would sing when Billy Graham would have his like transmissions on TV of the Billy Graham Association, before he would preach, she would sing. And she would sing, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. And you could just tell on her face that she was. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want it. And I was looking for God from the time I was a kid, like on Easter weekend, Good Friday and Saturday and Easter weekend, every year I would always watch on Friday night, they would have the robe with Richard Burton was the centurion who won the robe of Jesus when they gambled at the cross. And it would send him into a catatonic state when he held it because he was so guilty. But it didn't happen to his slave, Victor Mature, who loved Jesus and it gave him peace and he took it and he said, you're not worthy to have this. And I would watch Barabbas with Anthony Quinn, which was very weird. And then I would watch, on Sunday night on ABC, they would always have Ben-Hur. And at night, I would just, I always wanted to watch those alone if I could in case I needed to cry. And, the, and the, at the end, the blood came down the cross and there was a choir singing this beautiful music and you would just watch the blood go down the little rivulets of the of the hill because it was raining and it would go into a creek and go into a stream and go into all the world and I wanted to know how it could reach me and I didn't find out till I was 20 in California that Jesus was almighty God who became a human being to show us the heart of God like this is what God is like but it was primarily to pay for us and to die in that horrible way. He was, he was paying for me. He was paying for you. Like he was taking our guilt. And I hadn't done like a lot of stuff. I mean, I, didn't, I hadn't done as much stuff as my friends because I was afraid to do the things that they did. But I did some stuff and I felt bad about it. And, and I found out that there was an offer of a complete forgiveness of everything you've ever done or everything you ever will do. And that you could have like really kind of a whole new life, but it started out with a, new, with a clean start, like a fresh start. And I thought, who wouldn't want this? And so I took it and I had a, a fresh start with Jesus when I was 20 and I was happier than I had ever been in my life. And I found out that those two quests that I was on were connected. And one thing that I did understand was that because Jesus had loved me so much that it was going to claim my heart, like that you can't accept a love like that without loving back, but it was going to be a love that was going to take everything and that I was going to really give my life to him. I mean, you just, I mean, how do you not? And so before I did that, I wanted to make sure that this actually was true, like that Jesus actually did live and that Jesus actually did. I mean, we're talking about dates in history. So how do I know that Jesus actually did die that way? And how do I know that he actually did rise from the dead and that he was alive before I super commit to this? But I also knew that if I discover that there are doubts about this and that it's kind of a questionable thing, I was going to lose my right to the joy I had found. There were two people in um, the Gospel of Luke who had found just great happiness in believing in Jesus. And it had changed their life. And they, 
But then Jesus was dead and they didn't see that coming and they didn't expect it to end that way. And this was the morning that he rose from the dead, but they didn't know it. And they were walking home and they had lost their happiness. And they were sad and depressed and angry. And suddenly, Jesus just appeared to them, to them because he was alive from the dead. They didn't realize that it was him. Maybe they were followers of Jesus, but they had never been able to get up close or something. And he didn't do what he had done to other people that morning, other people who loved him and who followed him, like Mary, like Lee was telling us about Mary at, at the tomb and how Jesus just appeared to him and said, Mary, it's me. And she was like, oh, it's you. And to Thomas, like a week later, who was a follower of Jesus, who didn't really believe, and Jesus just appeared to him and he said, Thomas, it's me. And he's like, it is you. He didn't do that to these two. And they didn't realize it was him. And he said, what are y'all talking about? Hello, Jesus, what do you think we're talking about? Like, and we just, we thought he, we had hoped he would be the one. And now he's dead. And, you know, and so Jesus said, hey, guys, you need to think. Think about this. Think about what our scriptures say. Like when he talked about the scriptures, he meant the Old Testament. But up to that point, that was kind of it. So that mean, that would that he just called them the scriptures because that's all the scriptures he had. But there were places in the scriptures, like in the Old Testament, that were written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, that talked about how he would come into our world and how he would live and how he would die and how he would rise from the dead. They're they're like predictions or prophecies and they're amazing and he's like think about it guys think about it ought not the Messiah to have suffered in this way and to rise from the dead and he just started telling them about him and just reminding them of things that they knew of these prophecies and it's like they're incredible like there's a place in a prophecy a foretelling in the Old Testament written 700 years before Jesus was even born that said where he would be born. It wouldn't be in Jerusalem. It wouldn't be in Corinth. It wouldn't be in Athens. It wouldn't be in Rome. It would be in a little town of Bethlehem. It's like, it's like saying not Nashville, not Atlanta, not Chattanooga, not Johnson City, Clinton. Not even Clinton, Claxton. How he, where he would be born, how he would be born. There was a prophecy that said he would be born to a woman, a young girl who had never had sex, to whom he would be born. He wouldn't be born to the people of Argentina. He wouldn't be born among the people of Africa, although there was a prophecy that said he would live there before he was grown. He wouldn't be born among the Inuit people of Alaska. He would be born among the people of Israel, the Israelites, and they had like a dozen tribes, and it said that hundreds of years before he would be born to this tribe. And not only in this tribe, but he would be born before to this, uh, this one family. And not only to this family, but a hundred years, hundreds of years before it happened, he would be born to this son in this family. There were prophecies that foretold he wouldn't have powerful friends. There were prophecies that said he wouldn't have impressive appearance. People are super disappointed about that, but it's because they care about things that God doesn't care about. But there's a, there's a place, so th but when it talked about how he would pay for us and how he would die, 
there was a prophecy a thousand years before Jesus was born, 400 years before crucifixion was even invented by the Phoenicians, 700 years before it was taken and perfected by the Romans for political criminals that said that they would pierce his hands and feet, and they did. And in that same prophecy, it said there would be a band of evil people surrounding him when he died. And there were. And that same prophecy said that when he was dying, you could count all of his bones. And you could. And there was a prophecy that said that people would gamble for his clothing a thousand years before he was born that they would gamble for his clothing as he was dying. And they did. And there's another prophecy 700 years before Jesus was born that said he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And all of our iniquities the Lord would lay on him. And they were. And there was a prophecy, another prophecy, that said there would come a day where there would be a spirit of grace that would flow over people. And in order to be clean, it said, the Lord God said, they will look upon me, the one they pierced. And you could, and you can. There's a prophecy that said that normally when a person died in that horrible way, they would just throw him on a dump and they would just bury him all together. That he was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he would be with the rich man in his death. And there was a rich man who became very, very bold and asked to care for the body of Jesus and cared for it and buried it in his own tomb. And it happened exactly as it said. And there's a place in the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, that said, how will we know that he did what he came to do? How will we know that he accomplished his mission? And it said, this is how you will know 700 years before it happened that when he is done, he will rise and he will be lifted up and he will be very high. And he is. Yes. You can't make this up. You know, there's a, somebody, scholars have individualized 48 major prophecies about, from the Old Testament hundreds of years before Jesus was born that talked about how the Messiah would come, how he would live, how he would die, and how he would rise. They said the, the chances of an individual fulfilling only eight of those is one in a hundred million billion. The chances of a person fulfilling 48 of those is one and the number of atoms in a trillion, 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 billion universes as big as ours. So that's why I believe it. Um, I, believe, I don't believe it because it makes me happy to believe it. I believe it because I absolutely believe it's true, and there are loads of proof for it. But I will say this, the one proof that has meant more to me 
in the last 20 years is this. I don't believe Jesus has risen from the dead just because it makes me happy. I believe it because I think there are proofs for it, but the proof that is sweetest to me is that when I believe it, it makes me happy. There was a place in John chapter 20 when um, Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, it's me. It is true that I'm alive. You believe because you see me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And the word blessed, there are two words in the Greek Testament for blessed. One of them, well, and this is a word that basically means happy. When you believe this is true, when you believe that God loves you and that you're clean because Jesus paid for you and that he's with you and he's working out a plan for you and he's making you into a person you could never be in any other way. When you believe it, when you believe it well, it makes you happy. And that's how you know it's true. If you eat a sandwich made out of mud and sticks and rocks and it gives you a stomach ache, it's God's way of telling you, you're not supposed to eat that. And when you believe something that makes you sad, if you believe that this universe, all there is is what you can see and there's nothing beyond this and there's nothing and that when there's no real, and we're just here by some kind of mindless processes, and when there's really no difference between you and a squirrel or a slug. And when you're dead, you're just gone. You're just dead. That's it. And there's coming a day when the sun is just going to burn out. And this is just, I remember a kid in, in, geog in geology, and, um, but his professor said, we expect the sun to burn out in 3.5 billion years. And the kid said, what? What did you say? I said, we expect the sun to burn out in 3.5 billion years. He said, oh, I thought you said 3.5 million years. But you know, but it's just like, when it does burn out, like, and it's just, just going to burn out and we're gone. It never meant anything and nothing. And if you believe that and it makes you depressed, it's God's way of saying, you're not supposed to believe that. If you believe that you're loved, if you believe that you're clean because the blood of God, the son was shed for you and that he's risen from the dead and he's with you and never leave you and it makes you happy. It's God's way of saying, that's my proof to you, honey, that this is true. Hold on to that. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he loves you and that you're clean, that he's risen and with you, that he's working out a plan for your life. If you believe that and you're not happy, you should probably ask yourself, why not? But if you don't believe in Jesus and you're unhappy, I think you should ask yourself the question, why not today? Why not receive him today? He's waiting. He's offering you a gift of a fresh start and a new heart and a new life. All you have to do is say to him in your heart, I need this. I want it. I'll take it. Why not today? All you have to lose is your unhappiness. I